The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Coffee and cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Dave <laughs> Back with you on Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. He's Damon Benning. I'm Andrew Rogers. We're having some fun on a Wednesday morning. 8 o'clock, top of the hour, live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. And we're we're going to continue our conversation that we just broke up from last. Is Casey Thompson and Jeff Sims really competing. Whose offense is it? I'm going to ask Brian Christofferson. He's coming in right now, and uh, he's the senior writer for Husker247.com. You want to lob him a softball with Correa or something like that? You could just come in swinging. You, you, you want me to go with Correa? Well, first? let's see what kind no. of mood yeah, he's I want, in. I want to continue B, B, our B, B, point. We'll know by his answer. BC, good morning. How are you? <laughs> BC, what's up? Shane O. Is BC there? Is he? Did he mute us? He might have. I can hear. I can hear his his dead air. So like, it something's on mute. Dead air. Dead air. Dead air. Dead air. We'll we'll, we'll try I'll to call him right back. We'll try to get him right back. You uh, can't just come out. Firing. Well, you know you know what's funny too. Our poll question today, we didn't even get to it yet. I said, "What's the likelihood?" Well, you just jumped right in talking Husker hoops and bashing Kirby Smart. Well, can you it, not me, in that order? Can you let me get to the poll question? No, please. I don't know. Absolutely. I didn't not. even bash Kirby. All I said was <laughs> I, I thought they were a better team than what George, they George what they talked about. Said seven and five. My gosh, that low hanging dirty fruit. I, I didn't hear anybody say seven and five. <laughs> hey, our poll question of the day before we go back down that rabbit hole. What? So I said I showed DB this in our meeting yesterday. A graphic of Carlos Correa coming back. To the twins, I said, "What's the likelihood?" Dude, you slid your phone across the table during a grown-up meeting. <laughs> because it, it was all Mets for the longest time. Well, it was two teams. Well, it was Mets and then Giants. But, so yeah. all I could see when you slid the phone across the table was Correa. Uh huh. So I was like, "Uh oh, what is it?" Right. Because right? I didn't know if there's like some great announcement on what the health issues really were, and I was like, "Wow, the twins took him back." Right. Hey, uh, Brian Christofferson, welcome back. Hey, guys. How you doing? Oh, hey, hi, B. How, how, how are, are you? you doing? That's the real question. Uh, well, I heard you talk about Carlos Correa. That's pretty good. I mean, that's the way the Twins can land a guy like that is it has to go through some uh, sort of absurd uh, <laughs> cycle. But, um, you know, as long as that plate doesn't come through his leg, we'll take him. And six years seems like a good deal. Let's see what happens. Hey, you know, I'm kind of fired up about the Twins. Our poll question today is, what's the likelihood Carlos Correa passes his physical after signing that six-year deal? Would you say it's 100%, greater than 50%, twin percent, which is just 2%, like that, and he won't pass? What do you think? They got to know. 
Oh, the, yeah, the, the Twins, they had him a year. They, he, he's going <laughs> to pass this one. Um, their Twins physicals are more lenient. They'd, they'd be like if I take a physical and they really want me, which they want, they'd be like, yeah, he's fine, he's fine. Yeah, so uh, he is going to be a Minnesota Twin, and if, if that doesn't happen, um, I don't know. That would be the most – this is already one of the strangest uh, signings I've ever seen, but um, – I don't know. Car- He's still got some good years left. Oh, yeah. And he played mo- almost every game uh, last season. I mean, he played a lot. So it wasn't like he was just injury-plagued last year. So I'm I'm optimistic about it. It, it uh, fills a big hole and uh, gives the Twins hope in the Central uh, in the race to win 85 games. You know, um, that's um, sort of what that division's about. Writing this down, Twins Vikings fan <laughs> uses word optimistic. Mystic. <laughs> 2023. Did you actually write it down? Yeah. Twins, Vikings, uses optimistic. All right. I just wanted to make note Isn't of that because it always seems like, and I had the, the, the Vikings were my dark horse this year to start the season, and I can't get BC to believe in them. He thinks they're one and done. Their goose is cooked against the Giants. So what should we talk about, BC, to get you in your, your sweet spot? Is it... Whose offense is this going to be from a quarterback development standpoint? Who's starting along the offensive line? How? Where, where does BC want to go to stay in your in your good morning, good vibe wheelhouse? <laughs> well, that's nice. I get to spin the wheel a little bit. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. We could we could go a line. There's been a lot of line talk. I know people uh, were kind of bummed last night because uh, they thought they'd get uh, Zuka. Um, but we'll see what happens with Rouse still. You know, Rouse did an interview with us on Monday, and I thought it sounded promising. I know Iowa and Oklahoma both on their end have also had some optimism in their camps that he could be theirs. I think we might get a decision on that one this afternoon. Um, and if they got – if Nebraska landed Rouse at left tackles where I think he's going to be, that's where they talk to him according to what Rouse said. And you could, obviously that – that moves the chairs around, Damon. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, it already is with Ben Scott coming in at center. But if you put in a four-year starter at left tackle, and then you maybe Brahaska's right tackle, you know, Corcoran could go inside. You know, the wheels really get turning. And we we did talk about this a couple of weeks ago, but uh, there's hope for depth when you think about that group. Absolutely. With coming back and, and Prohaska hopefully being healthy and all that. Yeah, the thing about it is, not to be devil's advocate, even though that was a fantastic movie. Um, big Al Pacino guy. BC, is yeah. Teddy Prohaska a right tackle? I don't know. You, I mean, um, you know that better than I would. And I, I, I don't want to just say someone's for sure, like Rouse, if he were to uh, raise his hand for Nebraska, like, okay, he's left tackle. I'm just saying during the interview, he said that's what they talked to him about. Um, and they said that'd be the spot, and that's where he's played. And, um, you know, Prohaska obviously showed promise in limited time there. Um, I've, I've had a silver lining look about um, Prohaska since his last injury because I was worried about him last season. I'm not saying he was out there when he shouldn't have been, uh, but he told us, the media, that he was struggling kind of with that mental part of dealing with being back on the field after that first injury the year before. And I was a little worried about him, I'll be honest, because, you know, that's it's tough to play that way at that position. And so while it was an unfortunate thing when that second injury happened, which was separate from the first, I was at least like, okay, 
this is a time to recalibrate. Uh, he'll have extra time, and I really hope we can see that guy just full go and see, because um, I know there's people who know line play a lot better than I do that say that guy's got all the raw tools. Um, it, it, it's just been a matter of can he have that long runway where he gets consistent playing time to grow into the player that, that people think he can be, including Donovan Riola, who I believe has always had a lot of um, thoughts of the upside of Teddy Prohaska, him and uh, him and Don, Dominic Riola. We're speaking with Brian Christofferson, senior writer for Husker247.com. Toss him a follow on Twitter at Husker247BC. Brian, as we went into the break, we were talking if this was going to be Casey's offense next year or Jeff Sims' offense next year, just based on what Marcus Satterfield said in regards to his vision, including that quarterback run component. When you look at those two and knowing the rehab Casey has to go through, who, who do you think is set up to run the offense next year? Kind of like a way-too-early prediction at this point. My way-too-early prediction is Jeff Sims. Um, and I just base that off of when I listen to Rule speak about him and um, just glowingly about the traits he has and uh, just how, um, you know, it's just a thing or two and he can, he can really be, I think, they think he could be a special quarterback. I think Satterfield thinks that. And when Satterfield met Sims, it seemed like the way Satterfield described it, those two just, hit off immediately talking ball like they were they were just like let's get in the shop and, and mm-hmm. talk about things and they connected on you know good ideas and what works and what doesn't and all that stuff so I don't know it, it was just something about the way Jeff Sims was spoken about around that early signing day period that kind of um, changed my mind and made me think maybe he's the guy there um, but let's see if Casey can get back um, in full health um, you know by the end of the spring uh, what does that do to his running game? I don't know. I think Casey's a very capable runner, um, probably every bit as much as Jeff Sims. It's just a matter of if the injury, uh, if that detracts from you wanting to do that as much. But it's obviously going to be a part of this offense. You know, um, Satterfield said uh, it's a crucial part of the offense. That when Sometimes when your your group is stuck in the mud and you need something, to have a guy with some wheels who can at least get you out of danger on occasion, that's a pretty big deal. And I watched Rattler at, at his peak in that offense, which really didn't happen until about the last third of the year for South Carolina. And it was a different kind of QB run game. It was more to keep plays alive and off of heavy run action. It wasn't necessarily, you know, design, line up, go QB power with the lead back. Do you know what I mean? So I, I'm, yeah. I'm curious, BC, to see what happens with – Number one, Casey getting a chance to get his lower body healthy, right? I mean, we know about the elbow and the thumb, but, man, you know, the knee was bad. Uh, he's kind of hobbling around a little bit. He took some shots last year. I almost wonder, with a guy that's that smart, that's a very higher level, high-level football thinker, if this isn't an opportune time to be trying to get his body right, because I think he can learn so much just talking to Coach Satterfield. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not writing off Casey at all. I just, uh, and these way too early prediction things, people have fun with them and you, you throw out a name and it's got to be somebody. But uh, if Casey can uh, really connect with uh, Coach Satterfield, 
and uh, sort of take in, okay, this is what he wants to do with this offense. Casey is is uh, as sharp as anybody at picking that stuff up and uh, would be formidable and very tough to topple. And, you know, if he if he's back here, he's not coming back here to, to be number two. So um, it, it it's a little bit of a bold prediction if you were to actually say if Casey's healthy that he's not the guy. But I, I do think um, there were some people when Jeff Sims was originally – uh, signed or committed around here, I, I could hear it. It was sort of like, well, okay, he's the back backup guy, and he'll be the next in line after Casey. This is how it works. That's not how football always goes, you know. There's not just this little set plan um, that you put on paper where, okay, this guy gets this year and this guy gets the year after that. Uh, Jeff Sims is coming in here to win that job too, so it's a tough call. Who? I, what was your pick, Damon? You probably talked about it, but you're way too early now. Who? Who are you saying at that I, spot? I don't know, like. I, th- I think I-, I talked to a couple of coaches that coach in other conferences that really like Sims upside if once they iron out the mechanics like as a can't miss talent. So I get it because he's fresh in everybody's minds. But there's just something about Coach Satterfield's personality. I can't really describe it where I know you have to be a certain kind of person to, to absorb mm-hmm. to absorb what he's saying. So that's what I don't know. I think it's who can receive his style the best, not necessarily who the best physical talent is. I, that's kind of where I'm at today. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, and uh, Casey would excel at that. If 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 he's around here all off season, um, he's someone I would uh, I would think is going to be pretty involved, even he's if so he can't stinking. be out on the field. He's so stinking so, smart. Um, yeah, he and, is. And, and, he and what hasn't he been through, BC? I mean, he's been through he's been through criticism getting benched, uh, not supposed to be the guy, then coming off the bench to be the guy. He's had to be a good teammate. Like, his toolbox is full when it comes to resolve. Right, and there is something to be said for having sat in that chair as Nebraska's QB for a season and dealt with, um, like you were kind of saying in that answer, uh, I mean, there are arrows that come at you at that spot, and um, you got to deal with all the questions. You got to be kind of the face of it every week, and he excelled at that to a major level. Um, I don't know why I I keep coming back as what like right now Sims is my answer, mm-hmm. uh, but it's it's very close to me. So um, I I think if if Casey's body can uh, can heal as everybody hopes it will, and it does it pretty efficiently. Um, you're right as far as the just the mind part and like being able to learn okay this is what this guy expects out of his offense and a guy who's been in college football for five years basically has seen everything from a lot of really good coaches he's going to have no problem um, adapting to it I think um, if as long as there is that connecting part between the coaches and him and so if, if that's there uh, he will be tough to beat there's no doubt about it talking with Brian Christopherson from 24-7 Sports BC I, I've been in the lab man I you know the Xavier Betts rumor is out there is he coming back is he not I've I've, I've talked about it a little bit and so I did some homework right it just okay knowing Z the way that that our family does and kind of what I think he brings to the table if he comes back. Parameters in place for Coach Rule and that staff. I looked at Coach Rule's kind of his coaching history in terms of where he's been. Philadelphia, he's recruited New Jersey. Um, he, he's had some guys. Hassan Reddick and Robbie Anderson come to mind. 
And I think about high upside versus kind of guys he's had to be patient with and, and, and have some rules in place. He, he had to really get guys to walk a fine line in Waco, and they received it well in terms of his discipline and what you had to bring to the table. Was it an eye roll? Was it a what the? Was it a, oh, I could see it? When you hear and now do some investigating on the potential of Z returning to Nebraska once he popped up in the transfer portal. No, I mean, when he popped up, I I immediately, I mean, thought, well, what about the local school? Could they be in play here? I could, I could see it. Uh, being a possibility, but it is going to be a have to be with a coaching staff, um, like you're saying, that really has the parameters in place of this is what the expectations are, um, this is what we ex- expect you to meet, and uh, you know, I, I think really with a player like Xavier, we just want to be like, got to make sure your mind is all in for this right now. This is what you really want. This is what you want to put everything into. Um, I know Xavier has a lot of other has had a lot of other interests and and that's that's fine. Uh, but this is a this is that point where it's sort of like you gotta you gotta be like fully invested in this for this thing to take off. And if he finds a staff uh, where that message really connects with them, and it happened to be Matt Rule's staff, yeah, I don't see why it couldn't be Nebraska. I don't know where that sits probably near as well as you do. Um, so I'll say that up front. Um, but I don't roll my eyes at it. Mm. I don't. I mean, it's it is it's a school down the road. It's the school he's been at. Um, I know there were other circumstances and you know why he, he wasn't there last year. Um, and just I I I I could see it. Um, but I I don't know how how close we are to that being a possibility or not. Um, but um, I do think Matt Rule and his staff are going to put it out there. If, if there's conversations there, like this is this is what it's going to look like. These are the expectations. And, you know, if it's for you, that's good. And if it's not, we wish you well elsewhere. And that's what he has said about every player um, that he's had, you know, that's on the roster and guys that are in the portal. That's sort of their message. And I, I do believe this. Matt Rule wants success for guys that even decide to transfer or whatever. He, he wants them to do well, uh, but he just wants them to see – this is how we do it. If it's for you, go for it. If not, we wish you a lot of success. I think I will say this before Drew Down goes. I, I do think Betts put his name in the portal to gauge Nebraska's interest, not other mm-hmm. schools' interest, because Nebraska mm-hmm. has to go first because I think he needed to know where he stood with them. Well, I mean, that's that's pretty interesting. <laughs> um We've seen when that guy is playing and uh, invested, he's he's a special talent. He can run past people, so it's a matter of if he really has the right coaching and a connection with those guys, a lot can still happen. So uh, I, I root for Xavier, whether it's football or not. Um, but uh, the Nebraska thing, he, I mean, he grew up around it. Uh, he's been around it, and um, – I'm not uh, closing my eyes about that situation. Mm. Brian, when you talk about parameters and investment in instances like this, we talked about the fraternity 
of receivers that Nebraska now has with the addition of Billy Kemp. Take your conversation one step further when you say, like, hey, you need to buy into the program with coaches. How about from the big little perspective, if you're looking at the structure of a fraternity, how much should those experienced receivers help those young guys do that and buy in like, and be mentors for these for these young guns? Like Fleeks, Kemp, and Washington? Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, that's a good question. It I, is. I think Billy Kemp is a really nice addition uh, in part because of that. I mean, he's been through a lot um, at Virginia. Um, you know, basically he's played four four or five seasons there. Guys who just have been through that college football grind and know how tough it is. I mean, these guys are, are getting up to, you know, at 6 a.m., 5 a.m., and it's an all-day uh, sort of deal. And you have to have just incredible commitment to it, and there's going to be times along the process. I know this with every player where it wears on you, and there's even, you know, even really guys who have a lot of success. Most I've talked to after their career, there's those moments where, like, I'm, do I want to keep going with this is this for me and all that stuff and that's where I think it really helps to have those guys in the room who have been around three or four years who can put a hand on your shoulder I don't know what type of personality Billy Kemp has and and Joshua Fleeks and all that Um, but if they can be mentors as much as um, you know guys that you can rely on to make a few plays here and there that's going to be just major for the foundation of this program but as far as a player I mean Billy Kemp uh, what I like about him is uh, he's a high-volume guy. If you look at his stats in 2021, I mean, he had 74 catches at Virginia in 2020. I think he averaged 6.7 during the, the COVID season, as we call it. So um, he's a guy who's you know had more than 1,700 yards, was a punt returner. So there's a lot of versatility and things to like there. But I do – I like what you're getting at with the question because I, I think there's a, this is a time in this program right now where when you look at the various position groups, if you can have guys who are, I call them bridge players, like bridges to the future, and they're going to give you good quality stuff on the field, but as much off of it for a year or so, and kind of this is how things are going to go around here, and then hopefully those guys who are freshmen and sophomores or coming into the program, they see it and they kind of nod their head, and then a year or two they're doing that to younger players themselves, and hopefully then you get the cycle going that way. B.C., let me get you out of here on this uh, the last couple of minutes. When you, when you take a look at this staff and how he's put it together now that it's in its um, totality, how sh- are you less or more sure that there is a very specific plan in place for how Coach Rule wants to oversee and coach his staff? Uh, I mean, I, I'd say – I guess I'd say more sure. I mean, I, I just feel like he, I think he's known throughout, you know, after he got fired at Carolina, he had time to sit back and think like, okay, this is what my 10 full-time guys could look like. Here's who the guys who are in the, you know, quality control positions could look like. And here's backup plans if this happens or that happens. I really believe just listening to Matt rule talk that he's, he had that sort of plan already. So, I mean, it, like, you know, the the young receivers coach, Garrett McGuire, that, that's supposed to come in. I mean, that that's a guy that Rule didn't just think of, like, in desperation on December 15th. You know what I mean? Like, he's a guy, he's a, he's a guy that, like, I would guess a couple of years, even when uh, 
Garrett was a player at Baylor, um, you know, Matt Rule's looking at him and saying, you know, the son of Joey McGuire, of course, he's coaching Texas Tech. This guy's got the stuff. He's got the database. He's meant for this, and he's, he's going to build into it, and there's going to be a chance to help him do that. And uh, I guess I'm kind of off on into that lane now, but if you look around college football, uh, 24, 25 is the new 34, 35, it seems like. <laughs> we're starting to see uh, we're starting to see more of these guys pop up, uh, you know, who are going to have trouble renting cars, uh, you know, for a decent <laughs> price, but they're already full-time coaches. So uh, that's going to happen more and more, I think, around college football. Hey, I think you brought up the biggest concern <laughs> in young coaches right there, renting cars. <laughs> that is great. The insurance is going to be through the roof. BC, thanks so much, man. Thanks, B. Yep, thanks, guys. Hey, Brandon Vogel's next.